0: Hello everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Episode 13 of the shine your light podcast. Um, as always, super excited to get this one going. We got pastor Simon Fussnecker with us tonight. Um, super story. This podcast is designed to, uh, share other people's stories of how God has moved in their lives and how God is moving today in their lives and how they shine their light. And I'll be honest with you, I've not heard Simon's story, but I don't think 45 minutes or an hour tonight is going to cover all that uh, sure. that he could share um, in, in in your journey with God. So just excited to hear what God has done and what God is currently doing in your life. So and I, as always, Pastor Scott Fusnecker um, with us as well. So Scott, what is... Um, How's your week been? What's been going on?
1: Yep. Having a good week, Brian. Uh, as far as the church is concerned, we're just still, uh, gosh, I think when we first started this podcast, we were dealing with the facility, right? And potentially yes. moving. Well, we're still dealing with potentially moving, but closer now than probably we've ever been uh, to being able to get a permanent location and things like that. So we're excited. Uh, details are moving along there. So we're really excited that God's going to provide a, um, a permanent place for us to grow and help families and, and, and spread the gospel and um getting ready to take a little trip here in the next few days with the family to get nice. some rest yeah. a little vacation time so excited about that tying up some loose ends at home you know how it is before you get out of town sure, sure everything's sure. good to yeah. go but it, it's been a great week awesome awesome great for the vacation definitely need that
0: time to yeah. to get away and enjoy family and loved ones and and just take a break take a break
2: mm-hmm. pastor simon how are you doing just fine uh brian it's it's an honor to be here today uh I've watched your program or listened to it It's very well uh, planned out. Pastor Scott's doing a great job here at the church. Mm-hmm. And God's moving in a big way at the foundation. And I'm glad you guys have teamed up uh, for the uh, kingdom of God. Yes. Amen. Yes. Yes.
0: So we'll just kind of roll right in there. Let's just um, let you kind of you know, okay. tell us a little bit about
2: uh, Simon Fussnecker. Okay. Well, of course, this is only one part, so we'll do yeah. a, Maybe later a two <laughs> parts. So um, I'll be 71, uh, well, next month, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was born and raised in Cincinnati, Ohio. I was born downtown Cincinnati. And, and uh, before they put the expressway in, it was a, a government project right there on Ezra Charles, uh, w- which used to have a different name. It was uh, Lincoln Park Drive. Okay. And uh uh, the name of the government projects was uh, the Laura Homes. So there were six of us lived six kids, and mom and dad. So I grew up in the uh, uh, that area down at Washington Park, over the Rhine, mm-hmm. Had a great childhood. Uh, had a hard working dad. Uh, of course, mom and dad didn't get along too well. They got a divorce later on, and so mom had six kids and uh, dad continued to work uh, until he uh, passed away at 46 so I left home early Uh, I was uh, 14 14 and a half uh, moved out by the time I was 15 I was living in the uh, up in Toledo I exercised racehorses up in that area I was a pretty skinny boy and uh, so uh, I worked hard until the Vietnam War broke out, went to Vietnam. You can see I'm cutting this story short. Sure. I was going to ask, how did you get into horses? So, I, well, you know, i looking for a place to sleep. You and, a job, and a place to live, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I needed a place to live. So in, back in them days, I began mocking stalls, okay. which is cleaning the stalls, you know, after the horses. And uh, uh, I worked for a guy named J.R. Rainwater. He had 18 thoroughbreds and, uh, so he uh, worked me. I think I made a buck an hour or a buck and a half. I don't know. But uh, he asked me one day, would you like to uh, exercise these horses? And of course, I was taller. Uh, couldn't have been a jockey, but I was thin enough. So every morning, it, uh, it I'd wake up at uh, like 5 in the morning and run horses. Okay. All 18 of them. Just okay. get them in shape. And it was a, f- a free place to stay. Uh, bed, uh, bedroom uh, up over the... Uh, 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 horse stables, which was where all the uh, working hands stayed, so it was uh, good. And then, of course, we ate uh, free up at the—well, uh, it wasn't free. I worked for it in the uh, cafeteria, so it was a place to stay, you know. Sure. No place to live at home much. My grandparents were taking care of uh, mom and four kids. I had a, an older brother who was already in the military. Mm-hmm. So she had four kids, and Granny and Grandpa took care of them. So I needed really a place to stay, and it was good. Yeah. Uh, so now interrupt anytime you want, yeah. man. I don't want to rob the show. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, so, so you I, were about fifteen then, yeah. right? Yeah.
2: Fifteen, yeah. Uh,
1: what, how long did you stay there before you came back to either to Cincinnati or?
2: Oh, I guess, uh, uh, Scott, I was. Probably eight to 10 months, right in there, close to a year, possibly. Moved down in the city of Toledo and got an apartment with a friend of mine. I called him cousin, because he was in my life, always. So uh, we set up house, decided to come back to Cincinnati. And uh, here I was again, looking for a place to live. I bought a old car by then, I was 16. (laughs) Bought a 1948 Pontiac. Cost me $75. And I had bought that car prior to getting my license. And uh, so I was very independent, bought all of my own clothes, worked very hard, but I had no place to live. You know, my parents loved me. Well, my mom and dad were divorced by then. And uh, grandpa and granny couldn't take us all in, so I was kind of on my own. Okay and uh, began singing uh, in some uh, different rock and roll bands around town and uh, singing in a lot of different bar rooms. And uh, if we made $25 a night, that was big, big money. So that kind of kept me rolling till, uh, and the draft was in, in the heat. That
1: was the heat of the draft, 1967. So in uh, draft I mean, meaning the war draft, yeah, yes. people don't understand yeah, right. nowadays. They can't remember the draft, so that's being drafted yeah. drafted to the, to the Vietnam War, basically.
2: Yeah. So once you graduated from high school, if you was uh, seventeen or eighteen years old, you had to sure. register for the draft, or uh, you know you was picked up. You're right. So. Uh, uh, I turned 18 on July the 18th, 1966, and uh, July the 30th, that month, I was enlisted in the Army and was on my way down to Fort Knox, Kentucky. Yeah. So, I spent three years, well, 37 months, actually, in the Army. I spent a year in Vietnam. I came back from Vietnam probably, let's see, I was there in 67 68 and met my wife, Becky. Uh, who attends church here? We've been married 51 years. Next month, or in, in September, it'll be. Uh, we knew her. I knew her three weeks and married her, mm-hmm. and uh, she was my soulmate. She still is, and we've been together for mm-hmm. for a long time. She is uh, also was born downtown or raised downtown, in the on 13th Street, and hung at the same park I did. But I was a few years older than her, yeah. so we didn't really meet till I came back from the war. Sure. How'd you meet? You know, my—I had an uncle who had a uh, a little deli down in down in town, and, and she was kind of serving ice cream. Okay. So my uncle said, "Hey, look, come on, let's go over to the deli. There's a girl I want you to meet." And of course, she was only 16, and she was serving ice cream. So and that's all it took. So yeah. Twenty-one days later, I was driving her down to Fort Eustis, Virginia, and we spent a year in the military together before I got out. So uh, this is kind of a quick story. Sure, what would you do in the military? I was—I did several jobs. I went in in, in in '66. I've already told you, but I uh, uh, went through basic training. After Knox was too full, the draft was so full, they sent us down to Fort Campbell, Kentucky. I took uh, basic training there for two months. Uh, then I uh, took AIT. I took artillery out of Fort Sill, Oklahoma. Okay, uh, I was a section chief on Hallisters. Then I uh, went to Fort Benning, Georgia and became a paratrooper. I was with the 82nd Airborne Division in Fort Bragg, North Carolina. And I was in the Army about 12 to 13 months and uh, uh, went to Vietnam, DDD, into the 101st Airborne Division. And when that year was over, I wanted out very bad. Yeah. So I'm back in the States after two years of service, uh, terminated airborne, met Becky and Meritor and we spent our our last year down at uh, uh, Virginia Beach, close to a place called Buckaroo Beach, and it was pretty easy duty. So I terminated airborne, just couldn't wait to get out, came out and got a good job. Uh, got a good job over at Procter & Gamble. I got that in one day. Mm. I walked in and they said, when can you start? I said, I can start now. He said, well, come on in Monday. It was on a Friday. So I've always been fortunate the Lord has given me work. And I've always been able to take care of my family. Right, right. Awesome. Too much right. talking or? No. No, that's no. great.
1: Okay. The problem is, like Brian said, trying to fit it all in. Yeah. So like. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell you, like, just so so, like kind of timing this thing out. Um, so I can remember when I was about six six years old probably or seven i was around first or second grade my mom is obviously a a pk she's a preacher's kid and ironically i am too but uh just it hasn't been my whole life about second grade she started going to church and um he didn't want too much to do with it at that time but um that's when i first remember him so i was baptized at it's called Mount Healthy Church, God. Then now it's mm-hmm. called Roosevelt. I was second grade. He had to lift me up so they could see me in the in the baptism. But uh, that's about kind of when Dad started deciding that. So he probably knew a lot longer before, right? Because when you finally decide to start going to church, God's been working on yes. you a little bit for, right. before that. So yep. around what what, what was when probably I've been in the eighties, Dad? About when?
2: Well, yeah. Let me help you a little bit. I uh, uh, when I was a kid, of course, I knew the Lord. Uh, I remember back in the uh, when I was eight years old, uh, uh, old brother Rollins down at uh, Lachlan Baptist, I guess if he's still living, he baptized me back in 1956, my brother and I. And uh, of course, I didn't know what was going on. I just, you know, granny would take us to church. And all my life, I would talk to the Lord, you know. And uh, he told me one day that... uh, you uh, uh I was talking to him, you know he's speaking to my spirit when I was just a kid he said, "I'm gonna let you pastor two churches and you know I just kind of went along with the program and I told mom, you know mom uh, I'm gonna pastor two churches when i'm when i'm grown up uh-huh. so years later spinning up years later Becky and I pastored up in Franklin and uh, we also had uh, a church in uh, uh, Springboro so we had two churches at once and it just dawned on me the other day that you know what God had me at one time over two churches Yes. so he was talking to me early in life uh, but when it all came about and I'll get right back to Pastor Scott's question is uh, uh, when I had met Becky her daddy was old time preacher And he pastored six or eight churches down in the south. Good-looking boy. One of them fire-on-fire preachers. So um, I had met them right away. Her mama come out with the chicken, you know, started feeding me real well. And uh, so she gave me one of her saucers, coffee cup saucers uh, for an ashtray because none of them smoked, and I was lighting up. Of course, I had no idea, you know. uh, So I just helped myself around the house. And they treated me like a million dollars, Brian. So my father-in-law said to me, son, do you, do you know the Lord? I said, oh, yeah, I'm saved, man. I know Jesus. I know him because I have been talking to him all sure. my life. Of course, I had no idea, you know, what it was to serve God. So they went to a little church called Mount Healthy or Mount Airy Church of God. And uh, Becky and I would take the kids up. That's before Scott was actually born. And uh I paid my little tithe as much as I could in the church because the preacher scared me to death. Mm-hmm. If I didn't pay tithe, you know, things weren't gonna work out. Uh, but I, I wasn't dedicated to God. So in about, right about 1980, uh, I was over at Mount Healthy one morning, Mount Healthy Church of God, and Becky was taking the kids to church on the weekend. I wouldn't go. Uh, I was I was having late night meetings around two thirty and closing up bar rooms, and but they would go to church. So finally one day I went in and I lost my job and lost my. I had a nice furnished ride and and uh, things was going good, and so God kind of brought me back down to my level, yeah. see. And I went in and dedicated my life around 80 or 81. And I've never looked back. I've been like a horse with blinders on. Uh, It's been the best thing that's ever happened to me. So I guess it's... Uh, right around 40 years since eighty eighty one to now. And uh, uh, I, I found out who Jesus was. Received the baptism of the Holy Spirit back in 86, mm-hmm. January the 1st. My life changed. i become like a sponge. I bought every book I could find at the Goodwill just to read. So uh, uh, let me just say this, Brian. If God stopped blessing me today, he's overdone it. I mean, he's mm-hmm. gave me a wonderful family. I've always been able to take care my children they're all very intelligent smart they love the lord uh wow am i preaching yet or
1: no you're yeah. doing
2: great okay so Uh, It's just been a journey that I would never look back uh, on and regret in any way. Uh, My kids are respectful. My wife and I have a bond. Uh, We love other people. We want to just help folk. Mm -hmm. We find out ways to help people and keep it a secret. And that's what I like about the gospel. You know, God doesn't need us to tell anybody. He's just going to pick it up and run with it. If you step out, He's going before you. So, wow. What else you got?
1: No, so Tell them a little bit about, I guess, like so. When you first you use the word dedicated in your life, so I like that. We talk about being fully dedicated all the time. What are some of the first things you started doing then, like for God at that time, kind of?
2: Okay. Well, the first I would say in the early days, I went to a little church uh, called Central Parkway down in that uh, down in the valley. I uh, God spoke to me one day and to my spirit he said to me look I, I want you to go preach and I thought Oh, am I hearing things or is that me so I thought wow I, you know I don't know if I can handle this or not so I didn't uh, I walked out in the hallway right there from that building and there's a little girl about 80 years old I guess she was I forget her name already I can see her face and she was a, a pillar in the church and she come up she never would talk much she said brother Fusnecker I said what is and says, she said, you know, you look just like a preacher. And I stopped in my tracks, didn't tell nobody. And God had just told me that. And I thought, my, what does a preacher look like? Must be, <laughs> be something I got he wants. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I began to, at that point, change my way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I become less critical. I become uh, more uh, uh, in love with people at that time. I begin to look at folk uh, who were just common folk, who were were people that I made not hang with were more loving and kind sincere and i had no i just at that point i had no room for bar rooms uh, i laid everything down I, I just decided that you know what there's a god in heaven one day and and uh, uh he's talking to me now, uh, and I'm going to do whatever he says to do. And I just, from that day day on, I knew the Lord called me to preach. Uh, So I called an old buddy of mine. He pastored a church out in uh, Ross. Mm -hmm. And uh, here I'm thinking, God, this is really good, because I'm feeling better now. Bills are due. I'm having problems, but life is sweet, because I've got a relationship now with the Lord. So I called him up, and I said, look, my brother, I've been called to preach, and can you help me? Let me come and preach. So he almost dropped the phone too. So uh, he <laughs> said, "Yeah, he had a, he had a little lisp," and he said, "Yeah, it was, I want you to come out and preach." Five night revival. So I said, wow, five night revival. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, because I've never preached in my life. So he said, that's you. I'm going to book him uh, Monday through Friday. He wouldn't let me in on the Sunday crowd. Uh, So uh, I called Becky. I said, Becky, look, God, you know, I was talking to her. I said, look, uh, God called me to preach. I'm holding a revival. Of course, (laughs) she thought I was nuts or drunk on some of them spirits. At that time. I had no idea how to preach. So God said, uh, get your Bible out. And I had a Bible, I believe my mother got me with all the color codes and stuff. Okay, yeah. And uh, uh, God said, just turn right over to Revelation 3. I said, okay, zip, Revelation 3, and uh, start with them churches right there. So I thought, Revelation 3, uh, and I began preaching on the church of Laodicea and brought the house down. I'm telling you, God brought the house down, Brian. Uh, We had an altar call. I had no idea what I was doing. I just what did I do? I just spoke the word. I just read it and talked about how God loves you and we need to be careful and, and to make sure we make it to heaven and take all our family with us. And then I had an altar call and they just came up, just flooded up like I was giving out tickets or something. God was moving in a mighty way. Yeah. So I held that five night revival and uh, it just kept growing. I couldn't get him out of my mind. All I did was read. Uh, I would get up at three, four o'clock in the morning and read till daylight and then go to work. Uh, that's just all I could think about. You in them days the kids were still young and um, this was after i had already been uh, uh began church with scott and, and the kids uh we uh scott probably was about six years That's old about, i guess. about first okay. or second when grade. i started serving god uh, so, wow, what an adventure, man. I mean. Wow. So
0: <clears throat> that that's how you started. Is Was there any formal training behind uh, being a pastor
2: or did you just kind of
0: wing it and go? Well,
2: well right away, I, I got on staff. I've always been on staff at any church I've been at. Uh, I, I got into the, uh, I joined the Church of God uh, down at Central Parkway Church. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, old Brother Bristow, which is one of the state bishops right now, Uh took in uh, he was uh, our pastor at the time. I said, look, God called me to preach. He said, I know it." So he became a good friend of mine. He set me in order and the church set me forth and I uh, got licensed with the Church of God. And then later on, I I kept rolling. Uh, I was there five, four or five years. And then uh, uh, I went to uh, Princeton Pike Church of God. Uh, Dr. Sam Luke and I were very good friends. Uh, I was there for 14 years I had left and came back, but total of 14 years, uh, they set me forth for my licensing in the Church of God. And uh, from there also, uh, I became ordained bishop with the Church of God, which I hold license. I'm ordained bishop now with the Church of God uh, out of Cleveland, Tennessee. So um, I've, I guess I've got, when you say schooling and training, I went uh, through a, uh, a program called the MIP, which mm-hmm. is the uh, ministerial program through uh, Lee College or Lee University now. But I would, if I could fit all my study in, it would be a course of, oh, I don't know, six or eight years. Sure,
1: sure. Yeah, the amount yeah. of studying that so so he said he would get up before dark one of my most vivid memories is when i get up in the morning i could be getting up take shower for school you know six forty-five, high schooler he's sitting with one lamp on with a cup of coffee reading every single day before yes. before the sun broke he would read book yeah i've borrowed a book from him before it's about a 500 page book it's called uh Tough times never last, but tough people do. I think that's what it is, by Robert Schuller. Yeah, Robert Schuller. <laughs> so he writes a J in the back of the book when he reads them. They will put the date in a J. Yep. Well, that big old book, man. He's got about five Js in it. Like, he's yeah. read that one book oh. probably five times. So oh, it's yeah. just, when you say, like, it it it, it was a very... Good picture of me to for me to view as what does what does being dedicated look like to your to your calling? Sure, sure. And I think it's pretty powerful. Just it's an
0: inspiring point to your story to me is the training came after. You know, sometimes we go into something with formal training, we feel called or pulled to do something and we go get trained and then we go out and figure it out. You know, yours was yeah. kind of the reverse. You heard the spirit speak to you yes. and, and, and you just. Called somebody up and you led a revival, then you kind of come around and yeah. got some more training yeah. after the fact. I mean, I think that's yeah. awesome.
2: And, and that's a good point, uh, Brian. You know, a lot of our kids we bring up in church, which, uh you know, the Bible tells us to bring them up in church and then later they shall not fade away from the word. Uh, but it's a good idea to remind them along the way that, you know what? God has a calling in your life uh, and we don't know what it is, but He'll open up to you one day. You'll know where He wants you to be in ministry. So, uh, if we push our kids into the ministry, they may not have any effect. In other words, a lot of kids will come up, go to a theological school and are not really called to preach. Right. I believe the calling comes first. Yes. And that, that's a good point you brought yeah. up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So
0: pulling it back into, you know, you you're now preaching, you know, and, um, you've got your training. Yes, sir. And, um, So, um, how long did you kind of, you know, Pat, you've been pastoring up until, Yes. Yeah, I mean you're still pastoring. Yes, you're still. Witnessing. I'm an associate here. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, but what was some of the the highlights of those those years um, well, wow. that we God could... revealed to you or showed you?
2: Yeah, we could take a minute on that, yeah. but I'll try to highlight. I uh, uh, began evangelizing and and of course preaching uh, while I held a, a staff position at any church I was at, and uh, God kept me very busy. Uh, of course, you heard me tell you that uh, when I was a kid, I sang in bars. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, so I started a, a, uh, gospel group. My wife and I, Scott played the bass for us when he was 12. Of course he couldn't play the bass, but we put him in there and, uh, we would just turn him down
1: real low until he got good. And, uh, <laughs> We still use those tricks today. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> Just heard Scott down. Yeah.
2: So he, uh, I remember, I think his first guitar cost us $100 Into yeah. It's a and, Harmony, a uh, Harmony bass. Okay. Remember yeah, that brand? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He did a great job and we had him down. Uh, so God was telling me one day, I said, look, God, we need a bass player. Find me a bass player. And the guys I hung with was a real, it was kind of rough so they couldn't hardly get in the church uh, unless you brought them in drunk. So Scott, he said, well, Scott's right there. Put him on a guitar and we did. It took, three or four days, he was on on the platform. Uh, So uh, we began, we put out a few little songs, uh, you know, around town, put out one on uh, WCNW, some of the local programs, did fairly well on one of them uh, and just enjoyed, man. We went to, we did benefits and and hit a ton of churches in the local area and some out of state, but God kept us busy. And then I began to really get into preaching. Uh, I've been to Trinidad preaching, Tobago preaching, preaching, holding revivals. I've been to Israel three times, preached on the Mount of Olives, preached out in the Sea of uh, Galilee, baptized folk in the Jordan River, uh, hundreds of folks, that, because I've been there three times. Uh, I've been baptized in the Jordan River, and I've done a whole lot for a little boy from downtown on welfare. Mm-hmm. So, uh, wow, I could mm-hmm. keep going. I You know, where do I stop? Uh, sure. It's been wonderful, man. Yeah. Sure.
1: Yeah. Now, how long did you you said you pastored two churches so tell us a little bit about that how long were you at those well we went into franklin
2: i believe that's been about i don't know eight or nine years i I really can't remember uh, and uh, uh, so uh, uh state bishop called me, said, look, we got a little church we think you would fit into up in Franklin. And I said, OK. And I always told God, look, I'm not going to one of them little churches because I've am i been on staff at all the big churches. I'm a big time preacher. Mm-hmm. And of course, that wasn't that a laugh. And uh, <laughs> I said, I'm not going in no little guitar church and take over a bunch of poor folk. So uh, he introduced us to this little crowd, just a handful of people. And uh, uh, Becky and I was there. So yeah, God worked on us, yeah. said, this is what I want you to do. And I said, oh, OK, Lord. And we went in. So uh, and the place was really in bad shape. Uh, and they're doing great now. So, uh, Brian, we was I was on my way to Florida. I was just having a ball in Jesus, you know, doing good. And uh, the banker called me, said, look, yeah, you you the pastor up there at this church? I said, yes, sir. He said, well, the church is in foreclosure. I said, oh, it is. He said, yeah, and we need to. We need you to come up and get this bill straight. We're going to foreclose on the property. I said, you are? I said, well, we don't have the money to do it. He said, look, I've heard enough of you preachers tell me about paying the bill. I said, well, look, I'm on vacation right now, and uh, you can just go and shut the doors if you like. I, you know, when you're ready to talk, give me a bus. So he gave me a call, I guess a month later or so, and he was a little more humble. And uh, so uh, we was able to make a deal, put the church back together, and uh, we, we was... I guess five and a half years, somewhere to six years. I I can't really remember. Uh, God kept me up all night. Oh, number one, we got the church, a lot of money in the bank. Everybody's happy. Never any splits. The church is growing, busting out of the seams for the
1: small church that it was. So. A lot of good work to the facility, too. It was in pretty bad shape. Made it look real yeah. nice. A lot of lot of capital improvements. It's- Pretty cool.
2: Yeah, had uh, had great services, Brian. God moved in big ways. God was healing folk left and right. Just had mm-hmm. a great time. So God kept me up all night. One night he kept saying Lodabar. And I'm thinking Lodabar. You know, with Becky and I was in bed, and I'm thinking one word. Well, mm-hmm. tell me more. Just Lodabar is all I heard. So I woke up. I said, Becky, look up Lodabar. Of course, we've heard that word. and uh, uh, But nobody preaches on it much. So he looked it up and it just simply means a, a place of destitute, no no pasture or no pastor, okay. just a dying land. And so the Lord impressed upon Becky and I that, you know, it was time to leave uh, and we had no problems. You know, a lot of times when you get pastors in, it takes you two or three years to vote them in and it takes you 10 years to, to kick them out. Uh, but not with us. In our case, I went in on a Sunday and said, look, I love you guys, but God's calling us out of the Ministry here, and uh, of course you can imagine how sure. how it was that morning. So, it was, uh, but we went on and obeyed God. it has been wonderful since. Uh, but Becky and I would have dreams. She would dream, and I would have the answer to her dream the same night when we was at that church. God led us step by step on how to bring that that the struggle and the bondage that that church was in to bring them out of the of the bondage they had been crippled and. Uh, 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 by the time we finished that, that chore, that job that God has sent us to, uh, a young pastor took it who worked for the state, and uh, he's still up there and doing very well. And, uh, and of course, I don't need to tell you that God has a plan for each and every step of your ministry, and mine was finished. So what a blessing. And I had sold the other church in uh, Springboro, which helped us pay off the church we was at at the time. So wonderful times
0: yeah wow yes wow
2: am I talking too much no no
0: one thing I do want to kind of touch on is knowing knowing your family and and just you know how dedicated everyone in the family is to the Lord as a father you know Scott mentioned that one of the ways you witnessed maybe indirectly or showed him your dedication to the Lord, which probably obviously had an impact was just by actions, you know, um, just yeah. seeing you do your thing, you know, was there anything as a father that you intentionally did to try to, to, um, you know, raise your kids up and, you know, with the Lord or, sure. in, you know, or not, you know, cause I think you made a point earlier is we can, you we can lead people to, or we can, you know, push people in directions. Yes. But if they're not ready, the heart's not at the right place, then, you know, sometimes it's, you know, it won't take root
2: Absolutely. right away. Absolutely. Good, good point, Brian. What I do with my kids, it seemed to work very well. Is I, I don't remember ever whipping my kids. Uh, uh, not that some of the young ones don't need it. I'm just saying, <laughs> uh, you know, I led by... Uh, humility. If, if my kids got out of line, I just acted or I was No, I didn't really act. I, I was disappointed. Mm-hmm. And I think they could sense that. And they, uh, would pick up on it. And, uh, uh, they just—it would seem like they wanted to obey. Uh, I don't remember vilifying them or or being too harsh with them at times. Uh, now, when they were very small, maybe a little spank on the uh, on the butt or something. But but I never would push my kids, uh, even when it, when I got in church because they went to church before I did uh, with their mother, so. Uh, if you know, I always wanted them to go to church just one day a week. Uh, if if they had jobs, if they would make it in on any night, would be great. Uh, and I helped them. I was I was their friend, but I was also their father. I never broke down to just a friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always exercised authority, and they always obeyed. It's just that uh, God blessed me with good kids, you mm-hmm.
0: know. Yeah. yeah, I could see Pastor Scott not yeah. never having to. <laughs> Keep him steered in the, the right no, direction. No,
1: no, I define second chances, second, <laughs> yeah. third, fourth, fifth. I yeah. mean, yeah,
2: yeah. We yeah. could tell some other stories. Sure. We won't get too deep. That's a awesome. different podcast. But yeah. the, the Lord is merciful and kind, sure. and He take He brings them up right, right. when you get them there. You know, so sure. I'm awesome. I'm very proud of all of them. They do very well. And uh I never thought one day that I would uh, uh, be an adult at my age, and then I would be uh, well. My youngest boy is my pastor now, so that's kind of cool. It's, new yeah, experience. Absolutely. It's very cool. Uh, of course, I'm an old-time preacher, and uh, the kids nowadays, I call you guys kids or you're not, uh, uh, but uh, preach a little different, a little different style, and, and uh, you're on time schedules. And, uh, you know, I don't know how long I could preach. Maybe we could stay all night. I don't know. Uh, It's just uh, I'm old school learned and old time preacher. I still like little songs like This Little Light of Mine. Right. And uh, songs you grew up on, you know. So uh, God's been good to us. I hope I've been able to help you guys out today. Is there anything else you need to know? Well, yeah. Influences. um, Influences. Influences, you
0: know, and, uh, you know.
1: So basically like impactful people, basically anybody that you. Okay, well, I had a grandfather down in Kentucky, Uh, my uh, great grandfather,
2: old Matt Brewer. I always thought he was a preacher. He wasn't a preacher. He was uh, just big time in the church. Folk came to him for prayer. And uh, I remember him very well. He. He. He was a big part of my uh, uh, knowing the Lord. Uh, I would go down there as a kid. It would take us all day to drive down to Corbin. You know, there wasn't any expressway, so we would leave at 4 or 5 in the morning and try to get down there before the 11 o'clock news. We would travel old 25, one lane going one lane coming. So uh, uh, when I was a kid, he would chew tobacco and we'd sit on the old house hillside where he built the house by hand. He had, uh, I think they had eight or ten girls. My grandmother was one of them. And he taught me I'd play mumley peg. Mm-hmm. And uh, he'd bring his knife out and I still can play it to this day. And he would take a big chew of tobacco and end and roll down the wrinkles. And he'd get calls all the time from the church. Yeah, Brother Brewer, can you pray for so-and-so? And blah, blah. And uh, he he just did. It was it was a very stout, stern person in the church. Uh, God used him in a big way. So, and but he would always tell me. I said, Grandpa, how do you heal people? You know, I, I was a young man, seven or eight. He said, Well, I, let me tell you it's a secret. Because he'd always go around the corner and he'd come back and he'd pray for somebody. Well, there really wasn't no secret. I said, What are you doing? You go around the corner, lay hands on them, and then uh, he was into this wart thing. Like if you had a wart, he'd lay his hand on his hands on a wart and it'd go away. Uh, I know that sounds odd, but the people would come around and say, look, I got warts. Can you lay hands on them? And he'd lay hands on them. So he said, here's what you got to do, boy. He said, "I don't tell nobody. I said, okay. He said, you learn the Lord's prayer. He said, and you tell the Lord, look, I want you to remove this wart. He said, you say the Lord's prayer. And it'll tell him to forget about it, and it'll go away. So I learned the Lord's Prayer when I was only seven or eight. And to this day, that's my first scripture I learned. And so he was an inspiration on me. Right. I always wanted right. to be like him. Uh, that's only one. I could go on right. many more in my life. All right, give us one more. Okay, there was a... Um, There was a guy named Mike Owens. He passed. I can go family members, but I won't. Uh, There was a guy named Mike Owens, pastor of the church down Central Parkway. Could be one of the finest pastors I've ever seen on the platform. I mean, when he threw it down for Jesus, God moved in a big way. And uh, he took me under his wing kind of and introduced me to the ministry as far as uh, 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 procedures. And I'd already been studying for a long time in theology, but he took me and taught me how to make hospital visits, taught me how to do funerals, taught me how to do weddings and began to teach me. And he was a man of God. We would go on vacation or not really vacation, but uh, to seminars and what have you. And uh, he'd break the word out, man, it was just like going to church. You know, we would set at supper in and, the and, uh, down South somewhere on a revival and he would break it out. And it was just like a beginning, like I just received Christ that very night. He was was that strong uh, and he still is he pastors down in Georgia so he was he was a part of my ministry he was a part God sent him my way or I went his way to learn what God's about and, and uh, there's a certain way to do uh, things in the kingdom of God sometimes we just get up and think that we can go through a procedure make a few statements and that's church but see we need to wait sometimes God's getting ready to move and we don't know it until we come together on one accord God won't move. And you've seen it, Brian, Mm -hmm. through the years. God will begin to move in a sanctuary, and it will float through the sanctuary. Miracles will take place. Healings will take place right before our eyes. But we've got to get together. So he taught me that, the fellowship of ministry. I could go on about my buddy Mike, but that's another one. Wow. Mm -hmm that's yeah. awesome that is awesome well i mean we could we could You'd
0: just, like to do a part two yeah we could uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get you on a part two one day we'll yeah, just kind of take off yeah. there but uh I de- you definitely had me uh smiling and it, um what an inspiration what uh what an encouragement your story even just that little that little nugget that you just shared. um, I sure
2: appreciate it. I know you do, Brian. And I know, you know, God's going to bless your ministry here. Of course, we know, you and I both know, and Pastor Scott knows, Mm -hmm. he doesn't show us everything. Right. But man, what's going to happen in your ministry later? Mercy will write a book, a book on it because see, God's just setting you up for something that really is going to have a large effect in your life. Uh, you're making, you're penetrating the local area, but, right. but that's nothing to what God's getting ready to do. And, and so I appreciate you moving in with pastor Scott and becoming a team. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So God bless yeah. you.
0: Yeah. Thank you very much. We enjoy this and, uh, it is, it's a blessing to be here. Yeah, it absolutely is.
1: But what well, Scott, um, want to close with anything or oh man after that um, can't hardly follow it too much right. i mean i mean for me so believe it or not i told you every time we sit down here i learned something new about the person we're interviewing yeah. right so still the same i I've, so i never so i know who grandpa brewer is but i didn't know the impact that he had or whatever so um, i just love doing these podcasts for for a couple of different reasons mm-hmm. People that listen, they get blessed. People that are coming here as the guests, they're ministering. And then you and I are just like the benefactors of being able to enjoy what's going on. Sure. So, sure. I don't know. I mean, for me, he's my dad. So I'm just a kid still. You know what I mean? Right. 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 To these <laughs> folks, I'm pastor. But to him, I'm just a boy. You know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Like, just, hey, I'm just always going to be Scotty or whatever. Yeah, so. right. Scotty, yeah.
0: That's cool. That's cool. Well. Thanks again, and uh, we will we'll, we'll put a part two in here one of these days. Okay, Brian, we're going to hold you to it. We're okay, hold God it to bless it, you, my brother. Thank right. you so thank much. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, all right, guys. Well, thanks for uh, checking out this podcast. Um, look forward to episode fourteen. We're going to take a couple weeks off. Yep. Pastor Scott's going to get a break in. You know, we got the holiday coming up, and yep. uh, so uh, we'll be back here in a couple weeks with a uh, new guest lineup. And um, we're out of here. Peace. Okay. Thank you.